0: Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Tim. And today it's the 30th of May, which means it is my brother Ben's birthday. And on the 30th today, we're quite close in age. He is 30 years old. So the first thing I want to say is, on the live stream, of course, hi, everyone, on the live stream, happy birthday, Ben. Now, as well as that, just to give you an idea for that brotherly relationship, here is a photo of Ben and I when we were little. My mum informed me that this was taken in 1994 and, you know, this is the 90s, but to my mind, because of those great haircuts, that's me on the left, that's the cheeky chappy on the right is my brother. This is taken in the 90s, but to me, we look like World War II refugee children and that's because we were dressed by my grandma. Now, um, it's Ben's birthday and I want to say, of course, to him, happy birthday, but I bring him up. Because I wanted the, the topic of today and that parable we've just had read, the theme gets right at the heart of our closest relationships. Like the relationship with my brother. I want to talk today about forgiveness. I want to talk today about forgiveness and specifically forgiving other people. Forgiving other people. You see as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are to forgive as the Lord forgave us. We are to forgive other people as we ourselves have been forgiven. This direct command, we've just been going through a series in the book of Colossians and this direct command came up as we went through Colossians 3 when Jacob preached. Because in the third chapter of Colossians, Paul writes, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Whether it's your sibling, like my brother Ben, happy birthday, or it's a parent, or it's a colleague, or it's a Christian brother or sister, whoever it is, we are to forgive them if we have a grievance against them in the same way that we have been forgiven. And we see this command across the Bible, but we see it especially in the teaching of Jesus. Have you ever thought about what is there directly in the middle of the Lord's Prayer? Think about the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, we're starting by praising God and then we say, your, what does it say, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm only a vicar, I should know this. (laughs) On earth as it is in heaven, (laughs) in Clapham as it is in heaven. And then we have the petitions, don't we? Lord, give us, Lord, forgive us, Lord, lead us, deliver us. But as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, his expectation, his command, his encouragement, that they would be forgiving disciples as well as praying disciples. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Even in the same breath as we say, Lord, forgive me, we say, God, we're going to forgive other people. So if we're Christians, we can't have the forgiveness of God without us forgiving other people. Now, forgiveness is a choice, but that means it's not an option. And this comes across so strongly in the parable that we've just had read for us by Sarah. Jesus teaches a parable about forgiveness. It's a parable about a king and two servants. But he tells it in response to a question from Peter. And Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, credit to Peter, you know, he's taken on board. I'm to forgive people, so he's responding to Jesus. Gold star for you, Peter. You know, she's thinking, I'm getting through to him, brilliant. And I just want to say, some of us, this question of Peter's will be very relevant to you today. As I talk about forgiveness, that will be, feel like it's near to the surface. Or actually, it doesn't take much to bring something up. And I pray that God just ministers to you today and meets you and gently brings healing and wholeness. But for some of us, this question won't feel relevant. We won't be asking about forgiveness. We'll think, yeah, I don't, I'm at peace with everybody. But I want to encourage you, there will come a time, if there hasn't already, when this will become so relevant to us. Jesus' teaching is for us all. And Jesus answers Peter like this. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Not seven times, but 77 now Peter, he thinks he's done well. He's expecting to say, Jesus say, well done little disciple, you're so good. But he got, he got it wrong. You see, Peter had taken three and added, doubled it and then added one. And three was the amount of times that the teachers of the day said you were to forgive people. They based it on the teaching of Amos. So he's doubling it and adding one. And, and seven is this number of, um, it's like the perfect number in Jewish thought. So he's thinking, I'm giving a great answer and he's expecting to Jesus, give him a pat on the head. But Jesus says, I tell you, which is Jesus' way of saying it's a new command. Not seven times, but 77. But the key thing here is Jesus isn't giving a maths lesson. He's giving a grace lesson because it's not about the actual number. 77 times, or in some of the translations, it will say 70 times seven. It's to give us the idea that this is an infinite amount because seven was the number of Perfection. So it's perfection times perfection, or perfection plus perfection. There is to be no limit to your forgiveness, says Jesus. It's not seven times, it's unlimited, says Jesus. That's how we're to forgive. That's how we're to forgive other people. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and that means not with limit, but as God has forgiven us, which is without limit. But Jesus didn't just leave this statement on his own. He told a parable. But I don't know about you, when I hear this parable, as I think about this topic, I find it very challenging. You know, not seven times, but 77 times. Just think, about, just think about my relationship with my brother. You mean to tell me, Lord, I need to forgive my brother an unlimited amount of times? You know, in the words of John Mackinac, you cannot be serious. Really, Lord? Is that what you're asking of me? Maybe like me, I mean, you're probably all much holier than I am. But I find this very challenging Because of what Jesus tells us to do. He says, even as my people pray for forgiveness, they are to extend forgiveness. Forgive others without limit. And so Jesus explains himself. And he said, he explains what forgiveness is like. And he says, forgiveness is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. So Jesus says there's a king and it's a bit like he's going through a list of all his subjects and he's going through the debts and he's ticking them off. And then he comes to one that owes him a huge amount, 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents Some older translations will say. And the key point is here is the size of the debt. 10,000 talents or bags of gold, commentators estimate, is like 200,000 years worth of work for a servant in those times. So it's billions, if not trillions, or squillions, if that's a word, squillions of pounds to us. It is a debt he could not possibly hope to pay, even in thousands of lifetimes. And since he can't pay, as it continues in verse 25, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, and all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. So the king's just following the customs. He's a just king, he's just following through. But at this, Jesus continues, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged him, and I'll pay back everything. And at this, even though the debt is far too big to be paid, the king does something amazing. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. He took pity on him, he cancelled the debt, and he let him go. And as we consider today the manner in which we are to forgive other people, that is a great definition of forgiveness. You know, we could go throughout the Bible. I know you will have good experiences. I can say, here's what I think forgiveness means. But let's just take Jesus' words. Jesus says, forgiveness is like a king who took pity, cancelled a debt, and let the man go. Let's take those three things in turn, shall we? What's it mean to take pity? Well, pity might not necessarily be a word that communicates this strongly to us. It might sound a bit passive. But pity... Another way to translate would be compassion. And not only only compassion, but the Greek word carries an idea of a deep compassion. Compassion coming up from the gut, as it were. It's the word that's actually most used to describe Jesus' emotional state in the Gospels. You know, we read in Mark 6 about him seeing the crowd harassed and helpless. And it says that Jesus has compassion on them. This is where forgiveness begins. It begins in compassion as we look upon people through the eyes of God's love. And we see them as He sees them, and we have compassion on them. We see people in their need, even when they've hurt us. We see people in their need and their brokenness and their weakness, and we take pity, we take compassion, just as the King does. But then only does the King have compassion; it says He cancels the debt, and of course that's outrageous given the size of the debt. It's ten thousand bags of the gold. That means the King would really miss it. It's not just something He could write off easily. So here the king, not only does he not take revenge, as in, you know, I'm going to pay you back for what you've done. He says, you don't have to pay me back. He doesn't set up a direct debit plan. You know, pay me this much every month. He doesn't just cut the debt in half. He says, the debt is gone completely. This is what forgiveness looks like. It's saying, you don't owe me anything. I'm not going to make you pay for anything you've done. And I'm not going to pay you back for what you've done. The debt is cancelled. We don't owe each other anything so the king takes pity he cancels the debt and then it says the king let him go and forgiveness will ultimately mean as challenging as this might be saying I let you go I'm free of you and you're free of me now sometimes forgiveness means there is reconciliation we are back in each other's lives sometimes it won't Jesus taught just before this uh, this passage in Matthew 18 saying if someone sins and won't listen to you to others the church Then actually, you're to walk away from them. But you are to forgive them. You're to let them go, to say, You're free, I release you. So, forgiveness, as we think about maybe a definition here, is compassionately taking pity, canceling a debt, and letting people go. And to this definition, we can actually add some other aspects. If you go through the passage, you can pick out some key words. What does forgiveness look like? What does forgiveness mean? Well, in verse 26, the servant asks for patience. God is so patient with us. That's what we need when we forgive. We need patience. God is long-suffering, slow to anger and abounding in love. But also in verse 33, the master says that he showed the servant mercy, which is what we need to show. We need to show mercy. And then in verse 35, Jesus' command is that you need to forgive from your heart. So in other words, we can say, what does forgiveness look like? Well, it looks like patience, mercy. And forgiveness from the heart. And as I was trying to come up, you know, I was think going through the sermon, I was like, this would be a great point to have a good story or maybe an analogy. And then I thought, why on earth do I need to give an analogy when Jesus has given an analogy of what forgiveness is like? Forgiveness is like a king who compassionately, patiently, mercifully takes pity on someone, cancels their debt and lets them go. Can you think of a king that forgives like that? Can you think of a king who has forgiven you like that? Who says, you're free. Even though your debt was too big to be paid, I've had compassion on you. I've cancelled your debt and I've said you're free to go. That's how we are to forgive, says Jesus. But if the first question here would be, what does forgiveness look like? A key question as we go through this parable is, what happens if we don't forgive? If forgiveness is this thing that goes along with being forgiven, what happens if we don't forgive? Because it seems like there's a clear warning here. Jesus continues in this parable and he says, but when that servant went out, it's the servant who's just been forgiven, that debt's been cancelled, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. So in other words, a debt, but a very small debt that could be paid back. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. You can hear it's just been repeated again. But this servant refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. The situation with the king is mirrored exactly, it's mirrored perfectly, but instead of extending forgiveness, when that servant is begged by another for leniency, even though it's a much smaller debt, he throws him in prison. So when the king hears about this, because the fellow servants see this and they report it to the king, Jesus tells this story. So Jesus tells this, the king says to the servant, you wicked servant, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed and if that isn't challenging enough Jesus applies it directly to us and says this this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart now on Wednesday I was leading our connect group bible study connect groups were our small midweek meetings and I decided that we'd go through this passage together because not only did I think it'd be a good thing for us to discuss, but I thought I'll get some free sermon prep thrown in. And there was, it was great. So some of these insights, they're from my connect group, so I want to thank them from that. But as we're studying this passage together, we really felt the force of these words. Together, we wrestled with it. This is so challenging, we thought. "What does, What's it mean to say that Jesus will treat us like this? Jesus uses the word torture. What can he possibly mean? And C.S. Lewis once said that everybody thinks that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something or someone to forgive. It's a hard topic, and Jesus doesn't shy away from that. He brings a challenge, and he says quite clearly, unless you forgive, unless you extend the mercy that has been shown to you, God the Father will treat you like that king treated the servant. And in many ways, I wish I could shy away from this. I wish I could dampen it down. But we have to explain it. We have to understand what Jesus meant. We have to take him at his word. Here's what Jesus doesn't mean. Jesus doesn't mean that you can lose your salvation if you don't forgive. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. You weren't saved by any good works that you did. You were saved by faith as you trusted in Jesus Christ. And once you've trusted him in him, God doesn't suddenly go back on that and say, sorry, I take that away because your works weren't good enough. You, weren't, you didn't enter his kingdom through works you're certainly going to leave it in that way it's all through faith but what Jesus is saying is if you don't forgive others God will hand you over to the consequences of that unforgiveness what's he say in verse 34 it says his master handed him over to the jailers the master sees the unforgiveness and say okay well there's consequences for that and I'm going to hand you over to them And in the same way, Jesus says, God will hand you over to the consequences of your unforgiveness. And he describes it like a prison and actually even like a place of torture. And let's acknowledge it. Unforgiveness can feel like a place of prison and it can feel like a place even of torture. Because it can be such a place of bitterness, it can be such a place of resentment where even though we're holding something against someone, actually it hurts us the most. We are the most trapped by it. We are the most hurt by it. It is like a prison, as we hold pain and offence towards someone else. We see that actually, not just in ourselves, as we think about our lives, but we see that in this servant. We see it already, even before he's thrown into prison. We see his pain. We see that he's already trapped. Let's look at what the servant does when he hears of the small debt. That is owed him. He hears about this small debt. What does he say? He grabbed his fellow servant and begins to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demands, before he throws him in prison. Does that sound like a man who's walking in freedom? Does that sound like a man who's walking in peace, who's walking in mercy? He's already in the prison of unforgiveness, as it were. Even before he's been thrown there by the king, he's already there. Because Jesus says that will trap you And the challenging bit is that he says God won't actually stop that from happening. In a sense, God will hand that over to you, hand you over to that. And as that happens, that means our relationship can be first broken with other people. It can be broken with our fellow servants, as it were. What characterises that man? Hard-heartedness, alienation from them, and even a kind of vengeance, violence even. So his relationship is broken with other people. And Jesus says, if you hold unforgiveness, that's what can happen. But much greater than that, the much greater warning is that it's not just our relationship with other people that can be damaged, but Jesus warns that your relationship with God can be damaged. And as he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat you. What he's saying is, even if you don't lose your salvation, in a very real sense, you can lose the joy of your salvation as you lose sight of the mercy and of the grace and of the freedom that has been extended to you. That's what we see in the servant. His unforgiveness means he's already imprisoned. He's already not in that freedom. And God says to us clearly today, if you want to walk in my freedom, if you want to walk in my joy, if you want to walk in the peace that I have for you, learn to forgive. Learn to let go. Learn to cancel the debt. Learn to do as exactly as I have done. To you. Now we might think, how does this match up with the grace of God, the love of God that we know? You know, if we've suffered offense, if someone has hurt us, and this can be in a small way, it could be in a huge way, we might think, God, I've already suffered enough. Why would you hand me over to the pain of unforgiveness? I thought you were God of grace. But let's remind ourselves: God, grace, God's grace doesn't just give us license to do whatever we want. God wants us to grow in him. His grace isn't cheap. But what really struck me as I was reading this again is that this is a warning in love from Jesus. Jesus said, I came to bring you life and life in all its fullness. And that happens as we walk out the mercy and the love and the forgiveness that God has shown us. But that doesn't mean it isn't hard. And in fact, for some of us, as I talk about this, You might already know this or you might face this in the future. This could be one of the hardest things you've ever had to do. Forgiving someone else, forgiving other people could be one of the hardest things you have ever had to do. If I think about my own relationships where this challenges me, it is with my brother Ben, whose birthday it is today. It is with my brother Ben. So when I feel like I've had to forgive a lot, specifically for the way, now he's also had to forgive me, but I feel like I've had to forgive him, especially for the way he's treated my parents. And as I was preparing this talk, I felt like there's the nudge of the Holy Spirit again, saying, Tim, you need to forgive him. For the 78th time, as it were. And I needed to say, Ben, from my heart, I forgive you. Again. But I didn't say the again bit. I forgive you. I wonder... What relationship this might touch on today for you it could be with a friend could be with a colleague could be with a parent it could actually be with yourself a sense of needing to forgive yourself or it could be a sense of actually feeling like you need to forgive god somehow but i want to encourage you today Even as we face that challenge, whether that's now, right now, or as we face that challenge in the future, forgiveness and forgiving others is possible. It is possible, even though it can feel like such a prison. Even though sometimes, and when we're in that prison, we can recognise that, and we can say, "I want to forgive, but I just can't." Or sometimes we don't even need—we don't even realise—we're holding on to that bitterness until we're free from it. But Jesus says to us, "Forgiveness is possible." Last week I was speaking to someone and I happened to mention that I was preaching on this topic. And I said, I'm preaching on unforgiveness. And he proceeded to tell me a story. He said, well, the hardest thing I've ever had to forgive was when my young daughter was kidnapped. And he said, well, he was kidnapped by two people. And he said, I never thought I could forgive them. There is no way, he said, I thought I could forgive them. And there were two people. He said, there was a stranger and then there was someone I knew. And he said, actually, eventually I felt like I could forgive the stranger. But he said, it was the person closest to me. I didn't feel like I could forgive them. But he said, in God's grace, eventually I did. And I realised the freedom that came to me then. Another story is forgiveness. You might have heard this before, or certainly heard of this woman. There's a lady called Corrie ten Boom. And Corrie ten Boom was a Dutch Christian who hid Jews during World War II. Um, but unfortunately she was caught by the Germans and her, Corrie, and her sister Betsy and her father were taken to Ravensbrück concentration camp. Her father and her sister Betsy actually died in the concentration camp. But Corrie, she's an amazing woman and after the war she would travel about and the main thing that she would speak on was forgiveness. And she tells a story of being in a church in Germany one time and at the end of a talk she saw a man walking up to her. And as the man walked up to her, she immediately recognised him as one of the cruelest guards from that concentration camp. And she, could pitch, she said, I could picture him as he was then when I was a little girl. And that man came up to her and said, I was a guard at Ravensbrück. Because he didn't recognise her, but she recognised him. And she said, as when he came up to her, she remembered the feeling of walking past him naked as a young girl with her sister. And she said, in that moment, I felt so cold and I felt so bitter and I felt so angry towards him. And he said to her something amazing. He said, I've become a Christian and I've received forgiveness for the many cruel things that I've done. But I ask now for God's grace, for an opportunity to ask one of my very victims for forgiveness. And this is how Corrie Ten Boom tells the story of what happened. She tells the story of that dialogue.
1: And Fraulein Tambom wants him here forgiven, Bill, you forgive me, and I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him, but I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I said, Thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who is given to me. Mm. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say brother give me your hand and I shook hands with him and it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can.
0: you'll never touch so the ocean of God's love as you learn to forgive your enemies. Through the forgiveness of God, even the victim of a holocaust could learn to forgive a perpetrator of it. And in the same way, God says, I will help you forgive. Whatever has happened to you, whatever has been done to you, I will help you forgive. And I, I love what Corrie Ten Boom acknowledges. She says, I can't possibly forgive in my own strength. I can't forgive. Can you forgive? Neither can I, but He can. And this is how it's possible because God has forgiven us, so we too can be forgiven. And Jesus says, You need to ask for God's help, and He shows us a few things that we need to ask for. Jesus says, You need to ask to see again the debt that you have been forgiven of. Ask God again, Show me, Lord, the great debt that you have paid for me. Show me again, Lord. Because how easy is it for us to think we are the second servant who only owes the small debt to God? How easy is it to forget that we are all the first servant who owed the great king a debt that we could not possibly pay back on our own? And we need to ask God again, show me, Lord, that you have forgiven me, that you've taken pity on me, that you've cancelled my debt, even though I could not pay it back, and you've let me go. God, remind me again, show me again. Help me not be hard-hearted as the servant was. And also, help me not put myself in your place. You see, that servant puts himself in the place of the king as he judges his fellow servant. We need to ask God, show me, Lord, the great debt I've been forgiven of. But then also, we need to ask God again, Lord, show me the king who became a servant. Show me the king who became a servant see it's not spoken there of in the story but the reason we're forgiven is at that moment when the king says your debt has come up it's this big and it cannot possibly be paid Jesus Christ himself steps in and says I'll pay the debt Jesus Christ says I will pay the debt for you and that's already happened there'll come a day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ God is going to judge us but Jesus is going to say of you that one's mine he's free I've paid for him. And he did it because the king became a servant in our place. Ask God to show you that again, reveal his mercy to you again so that you can see yourself and everybody through that great lens. And simply ask God to help you do this. God, help me to forgive as I've been forgiven. God, help me. God, help me walk this out. And then Lord, help me walk in the freedom that you have for me. Amen.